this is this is this is captain's log number 838 the motherfucking seas have been rough to your boy gb as a captain i have a really low bandwidth when it comes to maintaining guest relations and getting other people on the pod it is not my strong suit I try to lean on some of my pod mates, but I don't always do a good job at delegating that task, and I don't always do a good job at reaching out to those people. One of the people that should have been on the pod, but we missed them during our time skip when the laptop went down, was Strange Keith, and I'm glad that we are able to get him back and have him on this episode. Strange Keith and Constant Moon have a lot of things to talk about. A lot has been going on with them, and a lot is coming in the future, so... I'm excited to have them here so they can get in their bag, but also there are some other topics I want to talk about with them as writers and producers and publishers and everything in between. Uh, lastly, the crew has been on their own journey to be the best in their own fields and endeavors, so it's been kind of hard scheduling shit lately. Getting everybody together in one place so that we can do these episodes. If you're wondering why sometimes there's been two people from the crew or just me as the captain or it's been three of us it's been a little sporadic because everybody's working on their own things we know that panda the don has just got her certifications and her degree and an official job in her field uh, other people have been you know creating a life that they want and getting ready for the future so this episode will just be me and our guests but have no fear it's a dope one let's go ahead and get into it this is going to be a journey through storytelling with concept mode What's up, Supernovas, and welcome back to the Worst Generation Podcast, the exploratory anime and manga podcast. I'm your host, GB, and we are coming at you guys with a fresh episode today. I have some special guests here that are kicking it with me. Um, at this point in time, you guys know I will always be introducing any crew members that are with me, but GB will be running solo today. Uh, the crew will not be joining me, but um, on the bright side, I do have three excellent-ass guests that I am excited to have this conversation with and uh, really talk some things out. So without further ado, we're going to start off just introducing the guests. First off, um, I'm blessed to have the co-founder of Concept Moon here today, Brandon. Hey, hey what up, man? I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, bro. Thanks for coming. Uh, I actually met you for the first time at DreamCon, and that shit yep. was mind-blowing to me because up until that point, I thought that... Uh, that Keith was the founder and writer and CEO and all these things for Constant Moon because he is the face of Constant Moon from my perspective right. on social media. And so when you introduce yourself, I'm like, oh, I'm like, damn, this nigga, one, you would 6'4 actually look like. I don't think Keith really 6'4. <laughs> Two, um, <laughs> when, you 
when you introduced yourself, I was like, wait a minute, is this dude is this dude uh lying on his on his status? Cause I, I know the concept moon nigga, this nigga is not concept moon. And we had the other uh it's the same day we had the other mangaka that was on stage doing a yeah. panel about, you know, how they get into the anime industry. So I was like, oh, it's just going around out here. Like cats is finna get exposed today. But then uh, you know, <laughs> Keith and Mike, Keith and Mike was both like, no, nah, that's really the co-founder, you know, bro be off, you know, doing his own thing. And he actually brought Keith in to really be the face. So I guess shout out to Keith for doing his job, effective as fuck. Yeah. Nah, man, everything's been great since Keith came in, man. We it, it was a it was a beautiful process, really, how we met. I think we might have talked about that a little bit before, but uh really like when we added Keith, because it was myself and Corey, and then we added Keith in, that really kind of just, everything kind of took off from there. So, yeah, Keith's doing, doing a great job. Plus, we kind of run in different circles as far as, like, uh, the spaces we occupy. Like he, uh, he's really the, the manga anime, like, man, the man. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, and I was kind of making my way through the, the indie comic space and, and mm-hmm. building relationships there. So there's some crossover there, obviously, but that's really why you guys really don't see a whole lot of me um, uh, early on. But now that's going to that's gonna start changing. I'm going to start trying to be a little bit more involved in the anime and manga side because I do love it, and obviously I am writing a couple mangas too. So. That's what's up, bro. And, you know, like always, I say do what's comfortable to you. Um, the great part about having a team is that you can add that diversity in. So, so like you said... Um, you know, if you if you deeper on the indie comic side and play to your strengths and you got Keith who's deep in the manga anime side, but we would love you to join the community more, have more discussions with us if that's what you into. And uh I can't wait to see your hot takes on the timeline too, bro. I'm excited for Ooh, that. Man, I got so many. I can't wait. Uh next up, since we've been talking since we've been talking about the man so much, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce Keith. Uh he's a cinema cinematographer. And um, I need to check out some of your old music videos because somebody told me you you really fucking nice with it. Uh, and he's Bye. also you guys know that he's a he's a writer. He writes Black Lotus, and he is the face, the marketing director, uh, what you what have you of Constant Moon. Uh, I'm excited to in, uh, introduce for the first time ever on Worship Pod, which is crazy. Uh, Strange Keith. Yo, yeah, man, it's been a long time coming. Um... Probably, probably should have been on here a while ago, but uh, you know everything happens when it's supposed to. So, <laughs> yeah, bro. I think we reached. I reached out to you about doing um, a conquering the new world interview with us last year, but that's when my laptop crashed, and I was mm-hmm. on a computer for all those all those months, um, which was a hard time for me, man. I. I didn't know where the pod was going. I didn't know uh-huh. what I was doing. It just felt like everything just stopped. And I damn near thought like that was the end of times for me, but it ended up just being a time skip. So it worked out. Yeah, man. Ba- ba- bounce back nicely. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely glad to be here. Thank you for having us on here. Um, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> many, many may not know this, and we don't talk about this often. But uh, Anime After Dark, which has been doing very well for us, it's it's trending on Twitter weekly for like the past three months. We do that in collaboration with Blanime Podcast. And so when we tell the story, we always talk about, I really fucking hated Clubhouse. And it's Mike 
that approached me to be like, yo, bro, I think like with your mind and the way you attack stuff, I think you could really like freak it out and make something dope happen on Clubhouse. I was like, Mike, um, I'm not trying to really participate in Clubhouse. And he was like, bro, we can do whatever we want to do. So he like, you know, just come on. So Mike talked me into doing that first episode. Uh, what I later learned where Mike got his inspiration from was you, Keith, um, when you did, the, was it the love game, the dating game or something like that? Yeah. Um, well, a, a friend of mine used to run uh, the love game on Clubhouse and he kind of brought me in uh, to help kind, kind of co-produce and kind of, it was, I don't know, it was just, it wasn't super organized. It just was this thing that we kind of had started to do and it had um, kind of started to blow up a little bit, especially while people were locked in the house uh, during, you know, quarantine. Um, and yeah, I, we, we didn't know what it would become, but it blew up for a little while. And Mike used to be in there and, and people would have a good time. And um, yeah, I guess I, I actually didn't know that, that that had inspired uh, anime after dark, which is, pretty well, dope it, it, it inspired him to want to do the idea so he said he uh -uh. was in the room he saw everybody engaging and he uh -uh. said that was the first time he was in a room and they did a decent job of managing um the people which for me was my biggest pain points at clubhouse you join a room and uh -huh. it's like 40 people on stage and everybody's <laughs> talking at the same time and it's like bro i can't make sense of what's up and what's down i wasn't enjoying clubhouse at all and so right. um, Love Game was the first time he had been in an organized room and he got me to pull up one night and was like, you know, a room can't be organized. And so I pulled up for like five mm -hmm. minutes and was like, all right, bet. Like, I will organize the room and I'll figure out how we're going to do this. And we put everything together and it's really turned into something special. But I don't think Mike would have had the spark or the inspiration to believe that we could do a room on there how we wanted to do it if he hadn't pulled up to love game in the first place. So like, shout out to you. You actually got mm -hmm. a part in the, in the history of anime after dark G and probably didn't. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I had no idea. That's funny though. Cause I was on the love game. I was uh quote unquote, the security. So I was the one like bringing people up and kicking people off. <laughs> so <laughs> six phone niggas, man. You was outside with the, all, <laughs> with the all black on like, Hey, big man, you can't even get up in here tonight. It's right. <laughs> Like, all right, Yo, can man, I big man. up how dope Keith is, man? This dude don't he's so fucking humble for no reason. Like, yo, <laughs> stunt on these niggas, man. You are the shit. Like, and I and I, and I go on every podcast we do and I scream this shit from like from here to across the world, bro. Like Keith is the shit. And Keith do not tell nobody. Like, so I'm gonna <laughs> just tell everybody for him. Keith is the fucking man. Y'all need to y'all need to learn something from this man. Period. Keith is the man. Sorry. man. I, f I fuck with his energy. Um, we linked up at the at the Dream BNB in Dallas, man. It was an awesome oh. event because uh, it's rare that you meet so many people on the internet, and when y'all actually link up in person, the vibes are still the same. Like oftentimes, when you meet folks off the internet, they don't always be who they have been, you know, showing themselves to be online. And all of y'all was cool. Everybody was humble. Like, everyone was chill. Nobody was in there with their ego in the way, trying to think that they better than somebody. It was just a real decent environment. Um, we, Keith, you did fuck up by having uh, Mike hit the joint. 
because <laughs> he was tweaking for the rest of the night. But uh, yeah, was, I did. I, I did time. not foresee that one, but so I, I'll take the blame for that. Definitely, I I didn't see that effect coming from what we were smoking, and like because everybody else was super chill and just mm-hmm. vibe and, like he got turned <laughs> up off of it, and I like I didn't <laughs> expect that to be the effect that he took from it. I will. I'm siding with you on that one. Like. How did how did you get there? Because everybody else is just vibing, bro. We just chilling, laughing, <laughs> talking. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, the guests, because we got we got three guests today. Uh, for the first time ever on Worship and Pod, this is everybody's first time on Worship and Pod, so this is a, a blessed moment for me. I'm adding three new people to the to the docket to the list. Uh, for the first time ever, uh, we have a special person. We will be talking about their new series today. Um, they are a writer. They've been freelancing for roughly 16 years, based out of Atlanta, and uh, has written for one of the greats, one of the GOATs, uh, DC Comics. And, I mean, they're also writing for the next up GOATs, greats, Concept Moon. But uh, without further ado, I introduce to you Robert Jeffrey. Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm glad, glad to be here and glad to have a chance to talk about After Image. What's what's cracking, bro? Um, I gotta know what was it like writing for DC? Cause that's that's like uh goals like bucket list for a lot of people out there, and you've got to experience that. Was it everything you thought it would be? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it was it was cool. You know, having a chance to you know what you say playing that sandbox, and I uh, had a chance to write a story for John Stewart. So I you know I consider him to be. You know, one of the greatest Green Lanterns. So that was that was fun, and um, to get paid to do it was also better. So it's just, uh, and it was definitely like a bucket list goal as far as you know, writing for a, a larger publisher. Um, but I, you know, to have any chance to you know to write superhero stories and you know put together some you know good scripts for publishers like you know Concept Moon, um, you know, I, that's that gets me through the day. So I'm. I'm hyped overall. Great for the opportunity. Hopefully it'll come again. But, you know, if it isn't, at least I got a John Stewart story out there. You got a John Stewart story out there and like representation of everything, bro. Um, when it comes to your to your writing style or what do you what you want to leave on the page, what would you say is like most important to you that if your readers take anything away from the stories that you write and create, uh, what would that what would you want them to take? I mean, have fun with it. You know, I, I mean, you can definitely, I, 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 I like being able to pick up a book or a book, comic book, um, and just getting some sense of enjoyment from it because, you know, we're surrounded by too much BS. I don't know if I can curse, so I'll just keep it to the, the BS and all that. But uh, this is Worst Generation Podcast. I will let you know you can curse. Um, okay. Okay. You can say whatever you want to say as long as it's not offensive to uh, people in their communities and what they got going on. But you can curse. Uh, talk your shit. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay hey, so, so I bullshit. can't offend the communities. <laughs> you said what? <laughs> offensive in a way like unnecessarily offensive. Like if you slander somebody, yeah. you know, favorite comic book, and you just like this ain't it. That's a different type of offending the community. Where if you come out here and you just say something that's like you know racist or prejudice or just you know unnecessarily just rude and vulgar that's not cool gotcha. but yeah definitely slander definitely slander a series that you don't fuck with and you know <laughs> <laughs> um 
Okay. Uh, so the bullshit. So, you know, as far as storytelling, I when I pick up something to read, I just want to be taken away. You know, that, that's first and foremost, because um, we're all dealing with some stuff. Uh, and then second to that, hopefully, you know, there's a message or um, some type of, you know, something kind of deeper that kind of speaks to, you know, I always say human emotion, you know, things that we, you know, all grapple with. Um, so, you know, but at the end, but first at the, at the beginning, I just want people to enjoy, you know, the stuff that I'm putting out there and it, you know, seems to be the feedback, you know, so far so good. That's what's up, bro. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed the, the copy of the story after image that uh, they sent me. So um, I can't wait to talk about that later in this episode because I, I definitely have some questions with some themes in there that I kind of want to get deeper into. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say shout out to Nayla for joining the Patreon and uh, subscribing. Uh, we have some good content coming your way, so definitely appreciate you. Without you and our other Patreon supporters, this episode you know, wouldn't continue to be possible. So uh, thank you. Hit me up on the side. Let me know uh, if you got any ideas for topics because you definitely joined the tier. You get to propose some stuff and we will go from there. Uh, getting into the episode, I want to do a yay or nay question. Uh, basically what this is, is I say a question, you guys tell me yay or nay or why. So a couple seasons ago, we only got three seasons, so I can't say a couple. In season one, we once had the conversation about uh, world building versus uh, character building. And kind of what came up was we asked everybody on the panel, like, what did they prefer? characters or a diverse world. So I'm going to pose the same question to you guys, but in a different format. Um, when I was on the timeline a couple days ago, the tweet that I came across said that they really don't care about the world at all. And stories shouldn't care about the world. They should just care about the characters because if the reader relates to the character, um, nothing else matters. So the yay or nay is if you have good characters and the reader relates to your character, is it okay for the rest, everything else in the story to just be trash? As long as they can say I relate to the character. Nay. Big nay for me. Yeah, nay. I'm a cosign. I'm sorry. Uh, somebody, yeah, I'm going I'm to go with nay also. <laughs> so somebody somebody tell me why they say nay. Um, you go first. Robert, I'm sorry. It. Oh, okay, okay. All right, nay. You got it, big dog. Okay, I'll, I'll double dutch in here. Um, you still want people to buy your book or read your book. So, you know, I, I think definitely, first and foremost, um, character building and, you know, character development is what should you focus on at the beginning. Uh, but to just not put anything else into everything else, and, you know, just have it be trash, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's like, think about, you know, the, I've been watching, rewatching Avatar, The Last Airbender, and one of the biggest draws for that series is, is the, you know, the the trio, you know, um, Kara, Aang, and Sokka, and everything else around them is, is, you have this beautiful, lush environment and background of the Fire Nation, you know, the um, Earth Kingdom, and, you know, just all this stuff. So, it, there's a their interaction with this environment is what also makes that story awesome so if you didn't give a damn yes. about building the you know the lore 
or the background of, of this world that's surrounding the three of them, then that does a disservice to the overall story that you're trying to build. You know, that's, you know, that's, so you can't, I mean, you definitely want to, you know, put a lot of focus and, um, into the characters that are going to make up your story, because these are the people that you're going to care about. These are the people that you're going to love to hate, but yeah, don't trash everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the, the example of Avatar because I, like, mm-hmm. I was um, talking to one of my friends the other day. I was like, the best part of Avatar to me is the world and how like every time you see like guards or like security of any kind, they're having like random conversations about like mm-hmm. real stuff. And I'm yeah. like, it just makes you feel like every character is alive in the world. Yeah. Um, that's, that's an excellent point. It does, it does immerse you. Um, and those little conversations, I think, uh, add to the beauty of the world. Um, one, one of my favorite uh, manga series is is One Piece, and you know, it it's often the side conversations that characters have that cause the best theories. Because then you're like, oh, well, what's going over in that side of the world? Like, we just got a glimpse into something. What does that mean? And taking it back to Avatar, uh, the series runs and it's focused. The spotlight is so, you know, narrow on the main three characters. And so most of our understanding of the world until those three characters get there comes from those side conversations. So that's an excellent point. Like, I know this isn't a comic book or, or anime or anything, but like, think about like Harry Potter. Like, what would that story be like if the world wasn't so like immersive? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, don't nobody care about it. Like, look, Harry Potter is really one of the, the more boring parts of the, of the world. You. Like, you know what I mean? I was about to say, I was just about to say that. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like he, that, that world makes the story. Yeah. Yeah, the more you learn about the history of, you know, the world of Harry Potter, the more you just like, I need spinoffs. Um, I need to know what happened over here. Uh, and they, they tried to give us some spinoffs, but I don't think they executed all of them as well as the fans wanted, but with the hype and everything behind that series, I don't know if they could have executed it at the level that the fans wanted. Uh, that's a thing sometimes. So um, I wonder about Harry Potter, but Harry, you know, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch. My, my lady's a really big Harry Potter fan, and um, I read all the books, and I watched the movies, but not, like, really intently. I'm going to go back and watch the movies uh, with her when she rewatches them to see because the Harry Potter being, you know, one of the more boring things of, Harry, uh, of his world, that's a hot take for me. I got to go think. Oh, about yeah, it. for sure. Listen, I don't know about you, but I definitely know that I wanted to run through platform nine and three quarters. Like, I didn't care about <laughs> Harry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, w- I wanted to go and get, I wanted to go get me a, a wand. Like, I wanted to go to Gringotts and see the the, 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 the elves and stuff. Like, you know, like, like, Harry's boring. Like, oh, like after the story, it's like, okay, what a, forget Harry. Like, I want everything else. Uh, like, and shout out to all my Gryffindors out there because I did the test. I, I know that I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm trying to get 100 points. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Hufflepuff ass nigga. Uh, definitely want to hey. be part of the world. I've also done the test. Uh, it, it, it seems like Harry didn't have as much staying power. Like, once you got through the story, it was just like uh, I don't have to. I don't have to think about Harry anymore. I'm I'm more concerned of what I would do if I was in Harry's right. shoes, right? Right. Okay. Um, you know, that's, yeah, that's up there with uh, with Keith's take about uh, 
you know, Full Metal Alchemist not having uh, rewatch value like that, <laughs> and, uh, which it, which it doesn't. But um, and, and it's lots of people in agreement with him. I I, I also mm-hmm. have not gone back to watch uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, Alchemist. no. Yeah, great great series. Just yeah, amazing series. I just there's not there was nothing that like made me uh want to come back and and revisit it and even when i tried to revisit it it was like okay i, like, I ended up turning off like going to something else i just yeah i just didn't care to go back um mm-hmm. i don't know why that is i would <clears throat> when we had the conversation on anime after dark one time i found myself wondering afterwards is that the sign of a really good series that it was so complete and so concise that when it got to the ending, you really didn't have any questions or any reason to go back to it. Is that the sign of a good work or um, like what, what takes away from replay value? I found myself wondering that because sometimes I go back to series and um, Hunter Hunter, for instance, I, of course I went back and uh, rewatched the ant art because I had some questions left over, like some things that were missed or, uh, I wanted to know more about the world. So I, you read ahead in the manga and then you come back and put some more things in context. So I feel like for, and of course, I've probably reread One Piece maybe like three, four times. So You reread One Piece? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, good gracious. Yeah, One Piece, like One Piece is so that, good, man. Like it, every time. It's just so it, long. It is long, bro, but uh, I mean, you you reread it. You read like uh, you read a couple chapters, and then sometimes the thing about One Piece is like when you're rereading it, you go through these phases where you're reading like you know five chapters here, ten chapters there. But then when you get to your arc that you the arcs that you love, you can't put the shit down. So now you know I've knocked out three hundred chapters in like a couple days. Uh, right. And that's just the way that's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, I I've, I've that, definitely been like that. I expect that, like a, a series that's out right now that I think holds you. Uh, one of them is Fire Force. I think when people start reading Fire Force, that series is very dope. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna fly through that one, just because like once they really get into what's happening behind the scenes in that world, and they start like exposing everything else about the 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 ether and um, yeah. everything that's underground. People gonna be hooked. I feel like they're gonna binge wa- read through that. Uh, based on what Sensei's been telling me, I think that Binlin Saga is gonna be one of them series that you can't put down and you're just gonna be reading uncontrollably. And honestly, I think that Tokyo Revengers will be one, but not for the same reasons. Like Tokyo Revengers is just it's fun. It's just a fun, easy series to read. And like the the main question you have when you're reading that is like uh is like uh where the adults at? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, other than that, it's just. Fun. I can definitely, I can definitely second your Vinland Saga junk though. Like I burned through like seventy chapters of that in like one day, like on accident. Like, exactly. I definitely. That's, that's how Sensei was talking. He said that he like he got on the time. He was getting on the time like, like every five minutes. Like. It's gas. It's gas. <laughs> it's gas. And if y'all ever heard, yeah. if y'all ever heard Sensei talk, y'all know that my man's is loud. He lit at all oh, times. Yeah. So like, Brand, yeah, Brandon bro. played spades with Sensei, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he caught so an L too. Know, like, you, said, you said you caught an L. 
Yeah, I think I did. I can't. I believe yeah. I, I lost that game. I can't even lie. Was I playing? Was I playing with y'all too? Was this at the uh, Dream BNB? Yeah, this was before yeah. everything. You hadn't got there well, yet. You, you yeah. might have been there. I think oh, it was no. me. It was me, him, Kasha, and oh, uh, and Bam. Yeah. No, I couldn't have. Was I it there? Been there yet. I believe it was Bam. We we probably still. I don't know. Here. She was there. I don't know. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't remember who the fourth person of it was. Bam. I don't know. So. <laughs> Um, I think yeah, it might have been that, Poodle. Yeah. It might have been Poodle. Ooh, I think it was Poodle. Yeah, yeah. Poodle was there. Poodle I think it was, was there Poodle. With him. Uh, yeah, but yeah. My, my bad, yeah. Poodle. Don't hurt me. <laughs> uh, you know that you know that since they be turned up, he be lit all the time. So you know he was definitely preaching the villain saga is gas, and um, that's, I'm probably gonna pick that up and read it. Uh. I just revealed on the timeline. I actually been week to week with Tokyo Revengers for a while. I had been trolling Mike and Panda for some weeks, <laughs> and acting like I wasn't reading and watching. But you know, this ties into the conversation. I feel like the community wasn't having good conversations about the series. All the conversations that I saw about the series were about uh, Takamichi being a bitch, and um, they were about you know who they're into, like which two dude guy is the hottest or who had the most fashion or drip. And nobody's really talking about the storyline. So um, as I was reading it, it seemed like no one cared about the world or really cared about the depth of the characters. And so I thought it wasn't there when I started to read it. Um, and then as I read through it, I realized that wasn't true and they just weren't having the conversations, but I never <laughs> like felt encouraged to go have those conversations with the community. So while we're talking about, you know, building these characters and building this world out, um, one thing that I think <clears throat> is underrated, because uh, I think what this person was getting at with the tweet, bringing it all home, what this person was getting at with the tweet is that if you have good characters that you relate to, that's probably the most easily digestible thing about a story. If I can look at a character and say that this character has qualities that I relate to and I want to be a part of, um, representation is probably the easiest thing for a reader to take in and be like, I get this. Everything else, when you have to think about like deeper concepts and what's going on behind the scenes and what's happening, you know, on the other side of the world, or since we're, you know, talking Tokyo Revengers on the other side of Tokyo or what's going on in these other provinces, uh, that tends to be a little bit harder because you have to sit down and kind of really tie those, those loose ends together and make it fit in your mind. And so I think that's when you start to get uh, as we say on Enemy After Dark, you start to get into the, the complexities of things. And once you're in that space, you lose a lot of people that want to talk on the series. Uh, so for for you guys as writers and creators, um, what's one thing when you're when you're putting your story process together in the in the initial like this is before you've written those first words on the pages and you you have this idea for a story that you want to do, uh what's the first thing that you focus on? Is it if the series is like digestible for your reader? Um, and if it's not that, then like what's, what's kind of the first thing you have to do when you putting, when you putting everything together? I'll say for me, I'm, I, I kind of, I would say I do kind of stuff backwards. I think about what kind of world I want to build um, mm. first and like what kind of world, I, like what kind of space I want to operate in. Um, and then I and then I think about okay, what kind of character can I put in there? What kind of challenges can I uh, fully articulate? What what are some cool challenges that I don't think that I have the capability of 
properly exploring with this character. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's generally how I, I build my stories out. Um, so I would, I just say, I always think of, I think the most important part is thinking about, yeah, the world itself, uh, like tying back to that last question is just how that world functions. Cause I think that's what is going to bring the readers back if, if that world is vibrant. Because your characters can be dope and your world sucks and it's not going to have, I think it's not going to have as much comeback ability. So you start with the world and then just kind of fit the characters into the world? Yes. If I can, if I can, if I think of the world and I can think of the characters and I can make them go together, then I'll go forward. Nice, if, nice. if I can't, if I can't make the, the character cool and the world cool, then I don't, I can't go forward personally. Ah, how about you guys? Um, I, um, I come up with the story first, usually, and then I build everything around the story. Um, so for, like, as an example, for Black Lotus Dragon, uh, the first thing that I came up with, and I didn't even come come up with this part, honestly. Uh, my girlfriend kind of gave gifted this part to me, but um, she gave me the idea of, you know, what if there was a mom who was a ninja? And that's what I started with. And then I, from there, I started to um, build the character, and I thought about, okay, well, how can how can this character work, uh, or what what world would be best suited for this character to work? Um, and then that's how I came up with, you know, the old West California. Um, and from there, I start <clears throat> I started to build the characters around her. Um, but yeah, I, so I guess the first thing I had was the character. Um, and not even really the full character, but, you know, kind of this um, silhouette of the character that I was going to build everything uh, around. But the story was there. The story was that it was going to be, you know, a mom who was also a ninja and she's hiding this this ninja part uh, of her life from the rest of her family and, you know, kind of still trying to present uh this normal family dynamic to the world while also uh living kind of this second life um but the time period for um for lotus is is interesting as hell to me because just having like that <clears throat> we're like right this is like right after slavery and like you know they're presenting their freedom papers and everything and like to have a ninja said like how did these elements come to be in the same place that's just so unique to me and that's something i liked instantly when i was reading the story like okay this is cool like this is she's like a ninja assassin and it got me thinking like i wonder which organization they work for and i i wonder what that organization's place is in you know the states at this point in time and mm-hmm. uh are they are they going around like getting justice or freeing other slaves like you know how how does everything look or is it like some Illuminati shit and someone's like <laughs> running the show that, you know, even the people that work for the organization never really see. And the person that's running the show may actually be the real villain. Like I instantly just had a million questions in my mind uh, just based on the elements that all meet in this time period and, and what could be happening. Cause you know, as a whole, it's not like uh, black people should 
inherently have a lot of power at this point in time. So uh-huh. for this organization to be big, it just makes you wonder, like, could black people really be at the top of it? Um, which is thoughts that I had, that, I, that I'm looking at my notes that I jotted down and wrote because uh-huh. I scribble and read. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I wanted to write it in a way that kind of um, would lead the reader to those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, okay, clearly there's something going on here behind the scenes. I now I want to keep reading to see, you know, what where does where is this all about to go? Where you know who's pulling the strings? Um, what's everyone's involvement of you know the the characters we've seen so far? So I'm glad you got to those questions for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, bro. So for Brandon, we had uh world first then characters then story and for keith we had story then world then characters uh robert how about you uh for me it starts with a conflict um one of the things that i try to figure out is what's going to be the core conflict of the uh, for the series or if it's even prose you know fiction um you know, that, that's what kind of stands out to me, or that's what I try to start with. And then from there, you know, build from, you know, build from there, you know, the characters and then the setting, which sometimes, you know, work in tandem, you know, with when creating the characters and the environment. Uh, one of the, um, you know, there's a series that I write called Route 3. And so one of the um, ideas or one of the conflicts that I wanted to, Kind of mess around with is you know what if the the most superpowered being or the most overpowered being on the face of the earth is experiences a a personal tragedy and in this case it was his mom dying from cancer uh what was fascinating to me is 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 with any of us who have gone through the grief process of somebody you know dying or you know in my case i saw my dad literally like waste away from cancer um what that does to you you know you're sometimes you're waiting for a person to die which is unfortunate um in many cases they get better but in some cases they don't so to have that internally fucking with the the superhero or the protagonist of of the series i wanted to i wanted to see what that would do you know to this you know do to him and how that would you know shape the story that's going to come along because you know, he's going through the process of depression, anxiety, and stress, and just trying to, you know, deal with it and deal with all of that. And now, at this point, he has a, a lot of different people coming at him because they know about his abilities, but they don't give a fuck that he has just experienced a loss. And then the other question is, is does he want to actually be the superhero that we need him to be? So for me, beginning with that internal conflict, or at least that core conflict of the story, help to kind of build what direction Route 3 was going to go. You know, this wasn't, for me, going to be like a typical, not even not even just typical, but he wasn't going out to fight crime. It was just him kind of dealing with being at the at the middle of this larger-than-life story, but he's he's dealing with loss. You know, so that that at the core, like I said, it begins with the, the core conflict or the, or the internal conflict at this point. And I always tell people, one of my favorite examples of a reluctant hero um where to feel it's is Bilbo Baggins from um the Hobbit 
you know, that dude spends most of that story complaining. <laughs> Just like he complains his ass off all the time. And to me as a kid, like when I was reading it, I was just like, you know, most heroes are supposed to go out, you know, want to fight the dragon, save the princess and, you know, just all that stuff. But this dude just wanted to get back and eat his food and live his life. But he was caught up in this larger than life story, which he had no control over. And at the end of the day, it turned him into the, you know, the hobbit that we, you know, the guy that, you know, the hero that we all love. But that's always been more fascinating for me trying to dig into that core conflict and then kind of building the story you know from there um because i think if you make it personal people will flock to that they will relate to that um if you come in to a story being like you know this motherfucker's gonna be you know powered up nine thousand times you know times that's not interesting to me it's just like there has to be something more to it than just beating somebody's ass for like an episode or for like an issue of a book. Now, if you have an ass whooping every other issue, then that's cool. But it has to have some meat to it. So, because uh, niggas can definitely relate to a good ass whooping. Uh, yeah, Bil- <laughs> Bilbo was definitely was definitely the reluctant hero throughout the series. And a lot of times you have like reluctant heroes who you know gradually become the go-getter hero or you know they really enjoy the space they in but not bilbo that he was true to his shit to the very end of the story like man i'm just i'm just trying to get back to what i'm doing i ain't trying to do none of this shit right now bro right and that and like i said and for me that's fascinating as a writer i mean that's just and and i think it sets that story apart from any other like large and, and also looking from the perspective that we're looking at um you get tired of the Western ideal or the European or old Arthurian ideal of like what a fantasy hero is supposed to be. Bilbo was short, hairy, had big ass feet, and he liked to eat. (laughs) That is completely different than what you normally get. So it's just like, you can't keep going with the same old shit. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people are realizing when it comes to these fantastical stories that we were telling same thing with concept moon Studios. same thing with a lot of these independent publishers done by you know people of color lgbtq plus it's like we're telling these stories from different perspectives mm-hmm. um and you were tired of the same old same old so that's i think that's another reason why you know even though bilbo was a white guy he was like so far left to what a typical hero was. It was just like, that was appealing to me. I was just like, shit, let's, let me read this shit. <laughs> you will find out more. Right. So. You talk about that, uh, that ideal hero. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of stories do start with the ideal. He's going to be six foot, six foot three. He's going to be super buff, super built, have an amazing body, um, have these, you know, unflinchable morals and ideals that goes about him. And I think when you, start with characters like that something is really lost on the story that that human aspect is something that we crave having those flaws and uh really having a character that is the hero of the story because they fit the story and not the hero of the story because just they're a hero by nature but because they were right place right time and got to be the hero of that story because the reality of it is we've all been the hero of some story at some point in our life at any given time, you never know when you are going to be the hero. So it's okay to have diverse heroes because we come in all shapes and sizes. I think the processes that you guys have described, um, all three of you, none of you start with the characters first. And I think that gives you the advantage to make sure that the character that you make 
yes, is a hero, but also is the hero that the story needed. And you're not making a story just to tack it on to a hero that was already there, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I don't think there's any issue with character driven stories. I think when they're done right, they're good. I think a good story is a good story, like whether it's character driven, world driven. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that any story that I've done so far where I started with the character first has actually been, been like a fun story at the, by the end of it. That's, that's honest. And Rory, you, you don't uh, hear people coming out. <laughs> it's yeah, it's saying that shit not on not on the interview. Hey, every everybody don't win every time. <laughs> That's real. I love the honesty right there. I mean, but the other part of that is everybody doesn't write the same. I mean, that's why that's one of the reasons why sometimes trying to break into this industry it is frustrating as hell because there's no set there's no one set path. Like you'll pick up one book on comic book writing and they'll be like character first. And then you go to a panel on comic book writing and they'll be like the world first. And then you go to, you talk to a comic book creator at their table who's been in the game for like umpteenth years. And then they'll be like, you got to start shit with action. And it's just like, it becomes Uh mind-numbingly frustrating, but you have to find what works for you. So, you know... At the end of the day, the end result is going to show if you know what you're doing. I mean, if your end result is going to show how successful you are with doing that. And but there's no one set path to doing this. And if you find somebody who tells you that, then that's suspect. I always I always feel more I I respect people for being as open and honest as like Brandon just was. Like this yeah. is how it works for me. You know, it doesn't work the same for and it may not work the same for everybody else, but it's just like you got to piece piecemeal all that together. I mean, shit. As long as you have a basic stand, you know, grammar usage, you can put together a sentence in you know the format of a script. And even that's not the same. I mean, that's that's even that's even more insane. But yeah, I mean, there's no one set way of doing any of this. You just got to study your craft. Another thing that comes with that honesty is the growth that you get from that. You being able to be honest mm-hmm. with yourself and say. Like Robert just said, this isn't for me, and you know, the, uh, this isn't what works for me. That's gonna help you, Brandon, just be way better. Because a lot of people can't admit when they're not good at a certain thing, or um, they they don't have the juice in a certain area, and they struggle to admit that because a lot of yeah, it's just the way it is. People are afraid to be wrong because um, we see mm-hmm. we see being wrong and we see failure has these these negative totem poles where it's like if you're wrong or you fail then you know that's the end of this journey when really it's not it's just a step on the journey you can be wrong you can fail right and that helps you refine the actual journey uh target in on what really does work for you and keep moving in a way that's gonna maximize the strengths that you do have so that you can get there in a in an efficient way so uh, a lot the fact that you're open to not being good at things I think is a is a very telling trait that should set you apart from a lot of people. Hey man, I appreciate that. And you know, to be honest, you know, my granddaddy always told me two things. He said, know know what you know and then know what you don't know. He says way more important to know what you don't know uh, and know what you're not good at. And if he wouldn't have told me that, I honestly probably wouldn't be sitting here in this interview with the two guys I'm here with. Because if I knew I didn't need help with certain things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have 
been responsive to Keith when Mike put this up. If I didn't realize that, hey, I can't, I might not be able to write this story the way I, I wanted to write it when I came up with the character, I probably would have never reached out to Robert. So the fact that I was open to that led us all here, and that's just such a dope thing. Got to know what you know. I caught some similar advice like that from my father when I was younger. I can't remember what I got in trouble for, but of course, I just knew I was right, and I had all the answers because I was a very smart kid. And his mm -hmm. response to me was, if you knew anything, you would know you didn't. If you knew anything, you would know that you didn't know anything. And like, just left right. me. And normally he would whoop me and beat my ass. And this was one of the few times where like he didn't whoop me or do shit. He just walked away in disgust. And I think that did a lot more for me than any whooping ever did for me. Because a whooping, like the pain is temporary. You just you kind of go away and you just go sit down like, all right, I'm, I'm good now. But you know, leaving that with me, that shit sat on me and it still sits with me to this day. It's, you know, two, two and a half decades later and it's still on me. So I probably did more more character development for me than any whooping ever did for me. Any of them ass whoopings. Yo, that's dope. As a father, that's hella dope because yeah. your dad is going to mess around and hear this, you know, if he can't hear it. And he's going to be like, that lesson I gave my son all them years ago stuck with him. I can't wait till my son have, have one of those moments from me saying some shit to him offhand or not with, or deliberately in your father's case. Uh, I wonder, you know, is that one of the moments where <clears throat> you say something to somebody and you didn't really think nothing of it and then they come back, you know, years later and be like, man, when you said this, when we had that moment, this really changed the whole direction of my life. And you're like, that shit? I, right. I was just, I was just talking <laughs> on the side of my neck. <laughs> like, like you be the hero in people's story and don't even know it. And you don't even like that should be that should be crazy. Shit. <laughs> like yeah, I was just talking and they come back like yeah, that was a uh, very significant to to my life after you said that. I'm like right. oh, what's that? That was I don't I don't remember that. saying it. <laughs> right. Well, that was just some hot shit I said. The edible was <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Robert, earlier you mentioned, you know, the, the personal aspect of a story and you talked about your conflict and, and mentioned how that was personal to you. Do you only write stories from a from a personal place? Uh, no, sometimes I just like to blow shit up. Um, I'm just being real. Like there is there. Like we can get, I mean, sometimes you just want to get Jerry, Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> and this, this shit. Um, and sometimes I find, um, yeah, it's like Spielberg one day, um, Bruckheimer the next. But there, uh, it's it's interesting because so more of the the projects that are personal to me are are my creator own projects. So you know, right now that would be Route Three, Mind to Avenge, and The Crossing. So, and then everything else um, are pretty much client as client work are are the gigs. And as as in the case of like Concept Moon um, with After Image, you know, there there's a story that my client wants to tell, and I follow those guidelines. Um, but it's but then there are times where I do try to inject a little bit more kind of a personal vibe into the into the story um into the conflict or whatever the you know characters are dealing with but the ones that are more personal personal 
are are my creator own books but like brandon will tell you um the reason that this was a good gig <laughs> and and most of my gigs are good gigs is because the client realizes they're hiring you for a reason and it's not just to like take their template and then put it in a script form because if that was the case then they can do it themselves um but the ones that are like i said personal personal are the are the three creator own series that because i because i can't sit here and try to bring to after image and say man i want to deal with the, my my dad dying of cancer can we put inject that into the story and it has no fucking place you know so but in route three that's the core of the story that's something that i can dig into um and but yeah that that's kind of how that balances out so yeah, that's dope as hell. Uh, you said that Constant Moon was a good client, meaning that they they let you do what you do. Yeah, I mean, like we, you know, so any um, any time I take a gig, uh, I first, you know, first and foremost try to find out what the client is wanting in the story, you know, what um, <clears throat> and what the end result is going to be. Uh, once we kind of get that, you know, work that out, then. There are times where I, I try to inj inject my own, you know, type of style of writing, I guess, or even, um, you know, what we were just talking about, uh, you know, finding out what the heart or the meat of the story is going to be and maybe bring a little bit of, you know, my personality in with with the story that we're telling. So there's there's a, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of me, I, I think, an after image, um, but it's uh, but it's only as a result of you know dealing with you know um brandon and brian the you know lambert the editor to find out how what the best balance is going to be um but i always tell people you know people who are trying to freelance is just um you know check your ego you know at the door uh but also realize they are hiring you because you were you you know, so it's kind of like trying to find that balance uh, so you can, you know, do the best work possible, but also get paid for it and, uh, and not just sound like a voiceless, um, what do you say, a model, a model ton or I don't, I, I'm model, better model with ton. writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a robot or something or whatever. Yeah. Or some shit. I'm a better writer than I'm a speaker. But um, yeah, and, and, and in this case with After Image, I mean, we hit that balance. I mean, I, I was able to write a fun superhero story where we there were some you know, concepts and issues that were going on at the time, um, especially with you know, policing in America, um, mm -hmm. which I had never been able to touch on in the story before. And I was just like, this is, this is a perfect opportunity to do something like this. And, you know, and like I said, Brandon and Brian were receptive to it. So, and they reined me in, you know, when I needed to be reined in. I mean, that's the mark of a, a good editorial team. Um, but, uh, but the end result, I think, was something that um, I felt proud to put in, like, a online portfolio to show the folks. So That's beautiful. Uh, this is a great time for us to transition into talking exclusive about after image in the conversation so far you know we've talked about uh building the story building the world building the characters and um even a little bit behind the scenes because that's not something that we often talk about the 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 stakeholders role to play um when they hire a writer when they hire a team and letting the creative do their job and how many things probably get muddled up behind the scenes of a story before it even makes it to us as the readers so that was a nice insight 
during those conversations, some of the highlights were making the story personable, building relatable characters, having diverse heroes, and really building around conflict. And in this first chapter, After Image, I feel like we've touched on three of those points off back. I'm not really sure what the conflict is quite yet, so I can't really confirm point number four, but we see one building. We see the obvious one building as far as, uh, you know, race relations or even, you know, class relations as we talk like these these thugs that are in the poor part of town. And then we see, you know, politicians and the higher ups. So we're kind of touching on four, but I can't confirm about, you know, building around conflict just quite yet. I'm not that deep into the story. But as far as making the story personal, it definitely, um, you know, as far as all the concept moon stories that I read, it has that personal relation to the black community. Uh, these are issues that we talk about, but it doesn't feel like just another black trauma piece. Uh, if you guys know what I mean by that, like sometimes you get into these pieces and the whole thing is about our pain and what we went through and what starts off as being an uplifting story just becomes a story that reminds us of all the bullshit we've been through in our life. Uh, the difference here with Constant Moon, these stories start off regular, I'll say, but then they ramp up and they become the hope and the highlight of the things that we've gone through in our lives. Uh, I don't know if that's the effect that you guys are trying to get across with the brand, but that's just what I take from the stories as I read them. Oh, that's dope. I might have to. <laughs> I like that. So uh, I'm definitely glad that that's what you get from these stories. Um, I, I can't speak for Keith, but I know I definitely want to, I wanted to create a story um, that kept people like tuned in. And I, and I feel like that we were able to do that to some degree. Uh but yeah, I definitely know Black Lotus Dragon makes you want to like keep reading. So we're trying to get that out for him too, for so keep and get on that next one. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way about After Image. Like I, I want to keep reading it. Um, you know, it's at the, at the time when this episode drops, it's gonna drop. I'm gonna drop this this Friday. I'm gonna move it up in the rotation because uh, you guys After Image will be dropping on October first, correct? Yes. So. Yeah, at the time this drops, we'll roughly have, you know, a couple days left until October 1st, because I don't, I don't know the date of Friday uh, just yet. I think it's like the 24th or the 25th. So there'll probably be one week left until the story drops. Yeah. But um, I think it's personal to a lot of things. Um, we, you know, you have mentioned, that's another thing. I'm not quite sure if these worlds that we're experiencing are happening on our actual Earth, but or if this is like alternate universe, um, you know, multi-dimension type shit, but it makes mention of a lot of things that we go through in our earth. So we've already had, um, you know, that the image of the normal, of that stoic hero, that's this six, three, he's white, blue eyed, blonde hair. He's already talking that make America great shit. And, um, you know, taking down all the thugs and, and doing like what he's doing, uh, we're already seeing kind of that that conflict and those uh, those themes build up. And I think it hits on an even harder level for me because this is something that we just experienced or we experienced regularly, but it was very heightened last year in 2020. Um, so right now the story, just reading through the first chapter, I feel like there are gonna be lots of moments for me to reflect on uh, what we went through in the past year and what we've been through overall, which I appreciate in stories. Anybody that listens to the worship pod knows that 
Um, I read stories and I do comics and anime and manga simply for like life lessons and you know what I get from it. So I'm excited to see how our heroes go about tackling the conflict that they run into in the series once we like really get into it. Hey, and Robert, Robert did such a great job like crafting the story. Because um, I want to say when 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 we initially talked, I think I had a I had a, a general like random idea that we went away from quickly, and I had like seven or eight characters that I had developed. And and like I said before, anytime I've written a story that was I started with the character first, it didn't it didn't go well for me. But so. When I reached out to him, I had like these, I think a handful of characters and like a couple really bland ideas. And I told him, like, hey, do it, like, do what you want to do with it. And he's done such an amazing job. So, are you ever play. nervous, Robert? Are you ever nervous when like someone brings to you the characters and everything and they tell you, do what you're going to do? Are you nervous to change your work around too much? Um, not, I mean, not so much. I, um, I, I think. You know, the nervousness comes in with, um, this is somebody's baby, you know, and it's like, <laughs> like, you don't want to be <laughs> the, um, like the, the uncle who takes the kids, you know, and like fucks them up over the weekend, <laughs> rather than, you know, <laughs> you know, because you like, cause you weren't watching, you weren't watching, you know, them running around the backyard and somebody ran into a fence. You like, shit. But you want to be that observant uncle, you know, who's there and, you know, cool and making sure the kids don't, your nieces and nephews don't get hurt. Um, so that's kind of how I feel. Like, I don't want to fuck up. That's, that's uh, like, I, I get kind of very um, respectful of the material. So in this case, when, um, you know, when we, they reached out to me and I was, you know, looking, you know, looking at the character bios, you're looking at the, some of the storylines and ideas that um, Brandon had, you know, I was just like, you know, so what can I bring to this, you know, to to make it the, you know, to, to shape it into something that's good, you know, something that somebody's going to buy. But once again, being respectful of what is already there or what's come before. So that's kind of how I approach every gig. If it's, you know, a pre-established characters, that have appeared in books or are you know new, you know. So it's like this ain't my, this ain't my shit, you know. I, I get paid to do it and then I leave. <laughs> so I you know try to, you know, be the best babysitter possible and not have the kids run into a fence. So, um, and in this case, we you know it, I think the end result was something good um, because we found that balance, and and there's a trust because I've had people, you know, clients who have hung over my shoulders. Um, and I was just like, oh, okay, this doesn't work out the best, <laughs> you know, but, um, but in this case it, it did. I mean, and there was no, you know, pe person, you know, nobody was watching over my back like that. And, you know, there was a certain sense of freedom that I had, but I think at the end of the day, it, it turned into something that I think people will have some fun with. Definitely. Uh, what was your favorite part of this writing process for this story for After Image? Building the relationship between, um, well, if we're talking about the story, I mean, building the relationship between Khalil and Lauren. Um, I'm a big dialogue person. Um, and them, their relationship growing through just talking <laughs> was, 
was was pretty big for me. Um, I, I enjoyed the two of them to you know working with the two of them together. And as far as creatively, you know, um, like I said, uh, working with um, Brandon and Brian when we would have these you know editorial meetings uh, to learn what was working for them and what wasn't working so much um, would have me kind of looking you know saying like okay you know you know this let, let's get off your high horse this didn't this might have been hitting for you <laughs> but story wise you know it's not working out the best so just kind of learning through that process was also beneficial um so those are i mean writing wise creatively and i guess um editorially those were two things that stood out about working with um uh concept mode dope dope um do you think there's any part of the story, uh, and this is for everyone here, you guys think there's any part of the story that's going to be, you know, hard for readers to accept or hard for readers to kind of like get through, process through? Mm. Where has like moments may trigger them or, you know, make them feel a way about certain things that have happened in their life mm. or happened in the real world? The first thing that probably pops into my mind there is a, a great scene that, that kind of depicts uh, the how the cops deal with uh, black um, mm-hmm. people in general. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and these two people, you know, one of one of them has like powers, and and one that is wearing a a, a kind of a super suit. But um, it very much to me hits home and I don't want to talk too much about like how it plays out but it definitely hits home as a person who's experienced that in real life mm-hmm. so when I was reading through it because <laughs> I obviously I didn't I mean when reading the script I didn't really know what he was going to put in there I was like oh that kind of like it just caught me it caught me off guard and I was like okay yeah like this is going to be really good um, those, those parts of the story that's hard for me to get through probably are the things that also keep me very invested in stories, if I'm being honest. Uh, when I get to moments where I struggle, and sometimes, you know, you got to put the book down and step away and you got to come back to it, uh, those are the things that ultimately, like, really keep me invested in the story because that's a type of feeling that you don't get from every story. Like, it's easy for stories to, uh, you know, make you feel happy or make you laugh or, you know, kind of have those base emo- emotions. But those stories, they really hit you deep and touch home um, to the point where like it's difficult to read through this at this point in time uh, those are the ones that make me feel most alive when I'm reading them like I feel closest to the story I feel most a part of the story at this point in time and I got to get back to this to like really know how they dealt with it did they did it turn out for them the same way it turned out for me was it different uh, what other paths could have happened for me or uh, what other paths could have happened for the character so those are really the the parts that 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 just suck me in, and um, I'm excited to get to that point in the story. Uh, and great job of not spoiling shit too. It's a skill. It's your skill. I that's a good skill <laughs> to have when you running when you running Concept Moon, and you know you got the come you got to not spoil shit because. If you did spoil it, you pretty much given the product, you given away Blue Magic for free, right? Bro, and I'd be so excited like to talk about the stories. I like, ah, oh, I can't even tell you what happens. Cause I'm trying, but the thing is, like, we we selling like issue one and issue two. I'm trying to tell you stuff that happened like 
60 issues down the road. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. Every, yeah, it, every, mangaka, every, uh, every mangaka, every writer, every, you know, studio head that we've had on the podcast has all been the same way. And even the other creators, I suffer from that too. Like you had these bomb ideas and the, the funny thing about passion, um, when you're putting passion into your working in your projects, you instantly want to share that with everybody around you and, and you can't. Because if you do, like you, you've given away everything for free, and then you know you can't build a business around it. Now, if you in the business, and I'm just making stories, and I don't really care about like if it blows up or what comes from it, then you know feel free, share with everybody, put it out there, do what you got to do. But if you're trying to build something around it, and you know eventually you know make this into a livelihood, keeping your cards close to your chest is so hard to do. You just be sitting there like, y'all don't even know what's coming your way. Like y'all excited about this. Wait till y'all get to mm-hmm. chapter 25, but I'm finna drop on you right now. Y'all, man, man. So right. that's super difficult. Um, key from the from the marketing standpoint, how do you how do you manage that? Like, how do you make sure that you you put the series out there and you know people know what's going on, but they don't know what's going on? Um, I I try to I try to give just enough to where people want to go and see the rest um which it's a it can be a very tough balancing act because it's like okay what can i what can i show and you know at what point am i spoiling um at what point am i giving too much you know we we've all like seen movie trailers where they give you just enough to make you want to go see the movie um and then we've also seen, you know, those movie trailers where you feel like the entire movie's in the trailer. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 absolutely a, um, a, a finding the balance of, you know, uh, how how much can I give away before I'm giving away too much? Um, and I mean, I think we've so far we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, at least like on social media and you know with our images um, and one one of the things that's tough too is you know making sure you're not giving too little because if you're too vague then you know people may not take interest um, so you, you want to give just enough to where people want to uh, definitely come and see you know what what the rest is um, you see how of- well thought out that is. When I was doing the social media, <laughs> account, I would just say random stuff <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> like, did, 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 did it sound good at least? I mean, it sounded good to me. But <laughs> 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 if, if I'm a listener and I'm listening to Worst Generation podcast right now, and I, you know, listen to this whole conversation with you guys talk about everything, I'm interested in this story. Um, what type of person is this story from? Like, who's the demographic? Who would be the people best fit to read the story? Uh, Robert, you want to take that one? I mean, I was going to say something ignorant, like everybody with money, but um, <laughs> we'll take that as an answer. If you got the crash, you got the bread, like pull up, buy these, yeah. buy these hey. comics, get the hard copy, get the digital. 
<laughs> we go outside. We like, I got this. I got these stories. I got the story. Two dollars. I got these stories. <laughs> we going back to the nineties. We about to do the what the uh, the variant covers for like five hundred variant covers, right? Um, <laughs> no, I mean age wise. I mean as far as fans of um, age wise, I'm thinking between ten. You know, like somebody as young as ten to like a, an adult. I mean, folks, fans of you know Miles Morales as Spider Man, um, Static. You know, I I say Static. I'm sorry. I I grew up with Static. I didn't grow up with Static Shock. Um, and right. Yeah, and any of like teen superheroes that you know you might be familiar with. I mean, I think that's kind of the you know demographic that we're going for. And to be honest with you. Uh, a lot of people love, you know, like of, of all, you know, backgrounds love that stuff. So that's, I would say, if that's kind of in your wheelhouse, that would be what that's the audience I think we're shooting for with this. Um, since you have written for DC, I kind of felt like uh, if if you like Young Justice, if you guys have seen yep. that series, yeah, I feel like you would like. I feel like you would like After Image. It's yeah, some, Young- of, some of the same vibe, some of the same pool that I got from this. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, I don't know when we're going to get a fourth season, but yeah, <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that would definitely be in that this wheelhouse, I would say. Yeah, uh, I really, I really appreciate the series. Um, I think that I agree with you that people of all ages, all backgrounds um, will enjoy the series. Um, I definitely think there's a certain demographic of people that will probably enjoy the series on a higher level. Um, mm-hmm. If you're out there and you appreciate, uh, you know, good action, and I'm also gonna say I'm fucking with the the uh, powers that I've seen so far. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not the not the normal. Uh, you know, we we give everybody super strength and superhuman speed and um, agility and durability and healing factors and all that. So I like when there's interesting use of the powers. Uh, a la Luffy from One Piece when he, you know, he he he's not as creative as he once was with his Devil Fruit. I feel like at the beginning of the series, it was very much his creativity. It was winning battles for him. And now we're kind of in this weird space where, you know, hockey rules all. But um, still, that was one of the best parts mm-hmm. about One Piece to be early on was the uh, different usage of Devil Fruits and how they stack up uh, compatibility-wise mm-hmm. and how these characters are, like, using them in unique ways that we probably would have never thought of. Like, who would have thought? I was about, about to ask you the most random One Piece question. Hit me, bro. Like, that has nothing to do with. Like, when you talk about this, do you feel like that he he changed the way he used the Devil Fruit because he became a more like the more like almost like grizzled? I mean, he Luffy Luffy's not he's not he's not grizzled, but you know what I mean. Like, it's like when you've been in the beginning, he was he was trying it out, playing with different things. Like you say, he was more creative, but. It, and it's like now it's just like, well, you think it they because they wrote it to make him be more experienced with it and know exactly what he wants to do, or is it just he's just not as fun with it? Well, I think a couple things happened. Um, from a writing standpoint, I think that Oda had a huge flaw early on. Um, we had devil fruits, uh, but one of the classes of devil fruit is Logia. And so Logia were so OP from the start. And the question becomes like, how do you fight that? Like if someone has a Logia, they should rule the world. And every situation couldn't be like Enel and Skypea 
where Luffy just became the perfect opponent for him because he's rubber and now like your your lightning, your electricity means nothing to me. I'm grounded. So um that would get boring quick if every situation was like that. So for that purpose, and then also you just have you got regular niggas with their devil fruits that's OP too. So for that purpose, you know, Oda needed a way for non-devil fruit users to legit fight against devil fruit users that makes sense. So he needed a system oh. like hockey. I'm happy that hockey came in and it became a compliment. Uh and hockey needed some diversity. And so we're really getting into the diversity of hockey now. At the point we are in the story, I think that two things have happened. One, Luffy's exhausted a lot of uses that we know for his devil fruit. Um, he's at a point where his hockey has to evolve for him to be able to fight on these higher levels. Um, and most of the techniques that are part of his devil fruit, such as like gear two and gear three, he's mastered them. He can localize now. Um, oh. He doesn't. He doesn't need to put his whole body through the transformation. So he's really mastered the extent of it. Um, as far as the other things, Luffy's at a certain strength level level now, where he doesn't need all the other creative shit that he once had. We're at a point in the story where um, Luffy can win fights by his strength alone like he doesn't have to be creative in a fight he's not fighting against he's fighting against people that are still stronger than him um but he's not fighting against people where he's so outclassed and outmatched that like he's gonna have to get super fucking creative along with his strength to win this fight oh. um, now, now he's at a point where like yeah it's he's up against you know high odds and the stakes are there but you know if he keeps knocking at her he keeps fighting that he can win now I would like to see, you know, another gear or something happen where his devil fruit is immersed uh, or combined with the hockey the same way that he did for gear four. I do like how gear four works. It's a equal mix of devil fruit creativity and hockey. And if we go to a gear five, I want to see something of the same. Hmm. I didn't even think about that possibility. Uh, what a gear five. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a, we gotta get super sidetracked. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I could probably either this to stay and I just leave it in the episode, or I'll edit it out and make it part of our our lost episodes. But uh, yeah, man, a gear five can definitely come. Uh, I would like to see a gear five. I don't know what else he would do, but um, at the point we are now, like we're learning all these subsets to hockey, right? And we're learning there's a lot more you can do with it than just the basic three. Like it filters down to these other categories. And so for me, that's interesting because now, you know, Luffy can pick up other hockey techniques and integrate it with another gear of his devil fruit. And then we could be looking at a, a totally different fight mode. And then we're still waiting on Luffy to awaken his devil fruit. So what does that look like? How does his devil oh. fruit awaken with hockey look? Because um, we saw it, we saw it briefly with Katakuri and the way that he used his awaken um and he has the mochi and it's popping out it's popping out with the armament hockey but now we're finding out that we can go deeper than that and the biggest thing for me is that um like we see Usopp and Dress Rosa and how his observation hockey has evolved to be specialized for his sniper skill set and abilities so now um are we also to assume that other fighters in the universe um, not only will they evolve and learn, learn these subsets of hockey, but can will they evolve like specialty techniques of hockey that are like specific to them? 
that fit their skills and exactly what they need for what they do. Uh, I.e., uh, Luffy being a brawler. Right. Which that makes sense as a natural progression. Yeah. So um, I would like to see how, you know, the power system develops. Uh, tying that back to, to after image, um, we don't we don't get into much in the first chapter, so I don't know where it's going. But um, one thing that I can say is that it was creative use of uh, AI's power in the in the first chapter. So my expectation is that the other characters that pop up that are powered uh, will also have creative uses, and it'll be interesting to see like those battle matchups and how they use their powers one on one against each other. Also, with the the super suits that show up that was mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, like how technology has a role to play in that, and you know how we fight back. To me, that's like the same thing of like Oda putting in this other power system of hockey to kind of compete against Devil Fruits. Uh, you guys cool. have the super suits that are there to compete against the powers. Like, well, that was more of a Robert brainchild, so. I didn't know if you want to expand on that. Yeah, I mean, um, the funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, um, it ties into, I think, um, your background in the military, um, Brandon. Uh-huh. There, there's, and and then also, you know, the depiction of the you know the mech suits and the technology, like they, from what I keep hearing, as far as like being a nerd of, you know, this this stuff, is that. Um, you know, warfare is going to get advanced, you know, not to the point I don't think of, um, what are we thinking? Um, well, what was I thinking? Like Iron Man, you know, mech suits, <laughs> but um, they're always going to be um, creative ways uh, for people to, well, I mean, I don't want to get as blunt as that, but defend America, <laughs> you know, kind of going to say that. Uh, so, <laughs> so. Well, Robin was about to say, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, real talk. I mean, we, I mean, we, that this thing can go a different route, this discussion. But um, so, in addition to that, we've you know popularly like with something like Iron Man, and um, we've gotten used to the idea of like you know the the whole idea of um, people having these suits of armor and um, you know going out and you know fighting and all that. So I wanted to kind of mesh up both of those ideals because I the way I see DOSA is DOSA is like our resident uh, shield organization, you know, except it's more, you know, government focused. Um, they're just gonna have the best tools for the trade. You know, if they so it's it's for me it's always kind of dumb to send in like, you know, hey, let's go fight let's go, you know, take down this super powered um, good guy. And then they just run in there with like pistols. And it's just like you right. I mean you you sign your own death warrant when you go into a situation uh, underprepared. So my my big thing was with fleshing out Dosa and um, them coming at uh, after image or trying to take him down, it was gonna they were gonna have to have the tools, you know, for the um the appropriate tools. So that's kind of that combined with, you know, this weird fascination I have with um, the uh, advancement of tech, you know technological warfare in our world. I just I just melded the two, you know, into um, what we have, you know, what we have, and I and I think that it makes them a formidable foe, you know, for Khalil, uh, a very unexpected, 
you know, you know, these guys come out from, from out of nowhere, but I mean, that's just life sometimes. So, but that's, that's kind of where my mind was going when, you know, describing their abilities and, you know, what they're able to do. Um, Funny as hell when you, I, I couldn't help but laugh when you talked about Dosa running in with the pistols to these superpower individuals. I don't know why, yeah. but the image that pops in my head is uh, Harlem Knights when they chase down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he's shooting a pistol at him. He's like, stop doing that little shit. Exactly. Don't shoot that little shit no more. Uh, that's oh, exactly man. what popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then my man, and then he jumps up with the Tommy gun, right? And then that's right. it. That's like, <laughs> like you brought you brought this little ass gun to come fight, you know, Superman in the Justice League. Like, what what did you think was exactly. gonna happen? And, um, so yeah. yeah, that's definitely valid. Uh, the evolution of of you know humankind and technology and and warfare is always funny stories to me. Um, we we talk about mechs and we talk about you know kind of the fight going robotic, but I feel like we always um which is kind of relevant right now since we're in the, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, we always skip over like the biological aspect that I, I, I personally think needs to happen. I feel like biological warfare is really what like finishes up the, the drive for us to be um, like a hundred percent. We're on the tech mech wave. Um, once another biological warfare happens, cause then I think human beings realize like, okay, all the shit we doing right now, we finna wipe, everyone out like wipe all of us out and we got to move to a playing field that's uh because that's what it is to some of these niggas is a game we got to move to a playing field that's you know more suited to not uh wipe out the human race but for us to settle our disputes or whatever the fuck you want to call everything that we wore over all the dumb shit we wore about yeah i mean just for a second i mean and that's the and that's the that's the unfortunate thing. I mean, it's like you every we're finding creative ways to kill each other. I mean, just yeah. being real. I mean, and you know, we um I mean that's been happening since you know, we existed. Um but when you, Exactly, dawn of time. I mean it's just like and that and that's just kind of where it where it has always been. Um, as far as militarily, like you think about um them building the, you know, the atomic bomb, the Manhattan Project. I mean, their, the, the Allied goal was to, yo, let's end this war, but it's just like, let's end it in the most horribly destructive way possible. Yeah. And, and since that point, we've dropped two of those bombs. Everybody collectively is like, whoa, whoa. You, know, whoa, bro. Like, <laughs> you crossed the line. You crossed the you line, crossed... bro. We got to chill. Yeah, you got to nah, chill. We had, we had to end it in the most violent way that nobody right. would try to come back at us. Right. And that's and that's the, the mindset. And it's just like, it's unfortunate. But it's just how, and, you know, that's just where we've been at for a minute. I mean, the military industrial complex, I mean, there's billions of dollars made off of that. I used to live down the street from um, Boeing, you know, in um, Cobb County here in Georgia. I mean, and their whole thing is, you know, part of it is building planes for, you know, military. I mean, it's just, um, it's like I said, it's unfortunate, but like when you think of things like the drone warfare, I mean, we, I mean, we even had that, you know, the the report of uh, what happened in Afghanistan last week. Mm-hmm. or last month um but it's 
for some reason, like with the stuff that I read, when it comes to like the sci-fi and you're mixing in, you know, the modern type of, you know, realistic type of stuff, you have um, a lot of that starts kind of crossing with the stuff that I'm writing. I mean, there's, I tell you right now for Route 3, Issue 4, that's going to play a big part because they literally, like I said, the example that I gave, they literally went after this superpowered kid with pistols and somebody was just like, that's stupid as fuck. <laughs> let's, see, let's see what happens in issue four. So, I mean, in After Image, they, they came out the gate, you know, with that type of stuff. But the, it, it exists to a certain extent. And I think some people would be horribly fascinated to see, you know, to think about, like, what's out there. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's just I like, how I like that about I like that about After Image because, like, uh, one of the things that, you know, is sometimes overlooked by the average person that's here at home is that, you know, we have the military might that we have. And um, like like Brandon said, you know, you, you do something so horribly destructive that no one will feel like they want to come fuck with us. Like no one wants to retaliate against us that we got that type of force, um, which is great when the enemy is focused on being outside of our borders. But then what happens when they turn that same technology and that same energy towards people within the walls, so to speak. And so to see Dosa pull up and pulling some of that military might with them that's a scary sight and it'll be interesting to see how that's used and how that develops down the side or down the line because that's a huge wall a huge hurdle that the main character will have to overcome at some point and fight against and you know off back that's a daunting that's a daunting thing to have to you know tackle so i'm interested right. in, in that development uh I think that's all the talking points that I really have for After Image. I don't know if you guys have like certain things you want to say or kind of, you know, pub, get off at the end of this episode, but this is that time. Feel free to, you know, get in your bags. Keith, if you got a 30 second high speed blurb that you got to do and drop some disclaimers, you know, spit that shit. Um, man, I just really want to say, um, grab the book, you know? <laughs> uh after image kickstarter launches on october 1st um we've got a ton of you know dope stuff in the kickstarter you can get the book digital or physical um we'll have some packages with our other books in it um a ton of dope merch will be in this kickstarter we got some exclusive after image uh t-shirts and hoodies um and yeah, hopefully people you know, we'll support and uh, I, I think people are really going to enjoy this book. Um, everyone that has read it so far seems to enjoy it. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I will, I, I like to read our stuff um, as a fan. You know, this, this is stuff that I will probably read even if I wasn't involved with the company. So um, I, I definitely think it's, it's worth checking out. 100 percent um definitely i enjoyed it too i'll go on record stating that just in case it wasn't clear earlier i definitely enjoyed reading this chapter uh i want to pick up the other chapters and stay tuned with the series as a fan it was it's something that i would stick with and you know as a podcaster i feel like it's something that i can definitely create content with and you know have lots of things to talk about based on the story so I want to say bravo to you guys. Well done. Good job on this first chapter. And, you know, I'm interested to see how the project goes. Um, 
definitely want to have you back, Keith, on another episode. I was thinking about, you know, bringing multiple of the black mangakas and authors and people that we interact with on the timeline regularly, bringing you guys in for an episode to talk about uh, your different studios, your companies, and why it's important that you guys are doing what you're doing. Because I think that <clears throat> once the space of these black comic indie rap uh indie rappers indie artists and uh indie you know mangakas <laughs> man, i got a mixtape coming out too <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where rappers came from I don't even <laughs> rappers like, <laughs> it's like where where would you even go with that bro um, I think, once, <laughs> I think once that black indie space gets the shine it deserves, like you guys are gonna be the guys that were on the forefront of that iceberg, and that's just a great thing that you know we get to have these conversations and watch you guys build it f- from the ground up, out the mud, as they say. Um, you know, I'm just yeah, yeah. in awe, impressed by all the you know the series that you guys have been able to create, uh, the quality that what you've been able to create, because that's another aspect, and we really didn't touch on that in this episode but the quality that goes into your creations. A lot of times we don't have the resources, the ability, or sometimes even the care to put that quality into our work. Um, but that shit is through and through, throughout your series. Um, it's of quality, the artwork is finished, um, the writing is polished, the the distribution, like it's easy to get their hands on it. Um, it's all there. So like all that shit is appreciated when you have that in a company. Um, so that's another shout out to y'all. Just bravo across the board. Thank y'all. That's love. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Just, we we definitely put a a lot of a lot of work into um you know everything that that keeps the wheel spinning, so to say. So it, it's definitely sure, appreciated that, that that that's uh doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, bro. And, um, you know, I was fucking up. I couldn't get the email together. I know I was looking crazy to you because uh, you tried to drop off the, the promotional materials and I'm all like, I ain't see that shit, bro. It never came to me. You got the wrong address, but, you know, whole time, whole time I'm spamming Keith. I got Keith uh, listed as scam likely on my, uh, <laughs> on, on my email address. So. <laughs> Damn, right. Yeah, I had I had on this the spam likely, you know. Uh, Google was sending everything to the spam folder, and I'm just like, no, I never got them, bro. And it just hit me like, check the spam. I it's like, man, I know I folder. sent it. Yeah, I'm I'm giving I'm giving him other email addresses, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, nah, you must be making a typo. Did you put a space here? And I checked the spam folder; they're all there, and I, I. There's nothing in that spam folder. Everything in that spam folder is all legit bullshit. And like you guys have mm. a legit name. I added you to the contacts. I don't know why I'm spamming you. I gotta figure that out. It was blowing my mind. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Fellas, go ahead and tell the people where they're gonna reach you. Uh after this. Brandon, definitely tell people where they're gonna reach you on Twitter since you finna start getting in your high tech bag and uh talking more. Hey, get them followers so you can beat the algorithm, bro. Yes, I gotta. I know everybody keeps telling me I need to get on Twitter more, so I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. So you can get me on Twitter at bd diddly or bd underscore diddly on Twitter. On Instagram, it's bigger than everybody, Bobby. 
Um, obviously at Concept Moon. Go to conceptmoon.com. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna be on Twitter a lot more. I gotta I gotta get better about that. Um, but I think that's all my stuff, Keith. Um. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Concept Moon on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Concept Moon Studios on Facebook. Um, ConceptMoon.com. And then for me personally, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Strange Keith and Strange Keith CM on Instagram. And for me, um, <laughs> to hear y'all talk about Twitter makes me feel kind of bad because I, I pretty much deleted my Twitter <laughs> a few months ago. <laughs> um, I'm just being real. Like, and, um, what'd you say? You didn't feel the vibes anymore? Uh, I don't think I ever felt the vibes. I mean, I'm just being real. Like, I, I would utilize Twitter mainly for business and um, there was no business coming through. So I'm, I'm like, uh... yeah, like I, I'm just... I don't, and it's nothing. Like I said, it's it's nothing wrong with using it for personal use. I um, I I just wasn't for me. I mean, even before I had deleted the um, the app or I guess my my account, I had deleted the app from my phone because I was tired of the notifications from like celebrities who, I was just like, uh, why am I receiving something about what they eating? So it just <laughs> it wasn't really kind of focusing. So I, I'm trying to narrow my my presence to like social media where I actually have kind of an active engagement and which have actually led to gigs. Um, so I, I don't know if I can give a LinkedIn handle, but you know, Robert Jeffrey, uh, the second, uh, but also I'm, I'm, my biggest place is Instagram and that account is Robert K Jeffrey. That's Robert K J E F F R E Y. And I have a website. It's uh Robert K Jeffrey.com. And uh, I got books for sale and, you know, other news. Um, but I'm also, let me give this website. I work as the editor-in-chief for BlackSciFi.com. And that's just uh, BlackSci-Fi.com. Uh, so those are those are probably the best places to reach me. You 100% can give a LinkedIn handle. I have a LinkedIn handle. I pretty much never use it. I only have it for my, like, professional job. But I don't even have anything yeah. listed on there but my certs and my degrees. So... Um, uh, yeah, then just, uh, okay, so in there, just Robert Jeffrey the second, uh, and that, yeah, that, that has actually gotten me work, that and Facebook, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know, I'm probably the old man on the call, <laughs> just real talk when it comes to that <laughs> stuff, um, but yeah, yeah, I got a TikTok, which is weird, um, <laughs> it's just it's this man says he's the old man on the call and follows it up with but I, guess, I, got a, I got a TikTok. <laughs> but I'm shit, I got a TikTok the, too. I forgot all about that shit. <laughs> yeah. Like and the most yeah. you'll find on there is like one sad ass video of me like singing Anita Baker. I was just like, oh. what the what the fuck was happening that night? And uh please send me that video. Okay, you'll get that. Yeah, you'll get that. I was just, and but then after that everything else has been comic related. I'm like Back to like when we were when we were talking like earlier, like know what works better for you. If <laughs> if singing and dancing on TikTok ain't your shit, don't do it. I did it one time, realized it wasn't for me. I was like, let's get the fuck on and sell some books. So the silhouette challenge wasn't getting you no clicks, huh? Uh hell no. Shit, not with this one. <laughs> God. They would be horrified. Oh they would God. shut TikTok down. I need to take my ass <laughs> to the gym. 
Um, Supernovas, all these links will be in the show notes for this conversation. Uh, I'm going to have Keith send me an email with all like the links just to be sure I got them right. I will check the spam okay. folder for it, Keith. Uh, got you, got you. I'll, I'll let you know when I send it too so you know to look in there. I bet. I appreciate it. It's why, why we work out and why keep spamming uh, your emails because like that's crazy to me. Normally when you ask someone to the contacts, it's like that's said and done. We good. We know these emails matter. But uh, you know, thank you again for you guys pulling up. Supernovas, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh shout out to our patrons once again for consistently supporting us. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that you learned something from it, got a small look behind the scenes. I hope that we inspired you to go check out After Image, to check out Consumun as a brand, to uh spend your fucking money, as we said earlier. Buy that shit support them these are young black men who have tiktoks and linkedins at the same time so we keep it <laughs> professional and we keep it entertaining. Uh, and yeah just get on with them early uh they, they're giving you a lot of quality and you're getting it from these people very early and you know i've heard the complaints in the community before of you don't want to I've heard people actually say they don't want to support black authors or other people because the quality is not there. If that is your complaint, then I present to you constantly for you to check them out. Um, if there's any conversations that you guys want to have with them, you know, on Twitter or offline, I highly encourage you to speak to these brothers. Uh, every conversation I've had with Strange Keith has been good, except, uh, you know, I think we got into it over slice of life because Keith wanted me to watch some slice of life and it just don't be doing it for me. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go to war about man. slice of life, man. Listen, <laughs> Keith got me to start watching slice of life. I was up there watching uh, To Your Eternity about to cry in my bedroom the other day. Like, what the world's going on here? Like, I shouldn't be feeling like this watching anime, man. Shit's crazy. Would, um, would Carolyn Tuesday be considered slice of life? Mm. I would count yeah, kind of, yeah. Okay, then that shit is banging. You kind of, that's the slice of life I like, but the slice of life that people have had me watch traditionally have, like, put me the fuck to sleep. I can't make it through the episode. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, okay. I'll, but, I'll, give you, I'll give you a list of good ones, because I used to be like that, too. And um, I used to be super anti-slice of life, so uh, for me to do a, a turnaround like this, you, it just, it takes... You got to get to the good stuff because there is some boring ones out there. So, yeah, go watch that. Violet Evergarden. If you don't feel something, watch it. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one. Of, that, one that one. That one again. Oh man, something watching that. I'm just a broken individual, huh? <laughs> hey man, uh, I'll, I'll check that out. And uh, Panda on our podcast was also recommending To Your Eternity to me as well. I believe that was her. That was telling me to watch that. Um, but yeah, you know, slice of life. What I've come to learn is that I like I like like comedies and other things that have like slice of life elements, or they may have like a couple slice of life filling uh chapters or an arc. But when it's like slice of life focused, um, from my understanding, it's supposed to just be about mundane things and mundane things just don't they don't capture my attention. Like I don't even like when my life is mundane. So I'm really not a fan of like consuming mundane material if that mm-hmm. if I'm putting that the right way uh and you I said and I no like mid like, <laughs> no mid over here no mid all gas <laughs> yeah I, I like the heavy drama stuff so 
um that that's what got me is the the stuff with the the good drama and you know messiness i like mess (laughs) i definitely can get into some mess and now that i got my girl watching anime i think i'm gonna have to watch a couple messy ones with her just to like um this would be the equivalent of me sitting on the couch and watching reality tv with her now we can watch Mm -hmm. messy anime so uh yeah man uh, but that is it for this episode. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at WorstGenPod. Interact with us. Let us know if you like the episode. Let us know if you fuck with us. Uh, like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Twitter, 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 Twitter,